Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to episode five of Game Store Profits, the show where we talk geek and we talk God. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. Mike, how you doing today? What's going on in the geeky world of Mike Perna? Well, I I have to say that I'm very excited. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to get together. The group of eight reconvenes tomorrow uh, in a rarity because we just got done playing a game. We just had our last session this past weekend, and now we're having a session this weekend. So it's rare that we go back to back like this. But as happens with a bunch of adults who try to get into gaming, our schedules, we, we took out our calendars, took out our various electronic gadgetry. And said, huh, the next time we can get together is, like, the end of October. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> and so we decided that we were going to run it again. So we got together, and we're, I'm all excited because not only are we going to get to play, but it, it's kind of up and down. It's There's there's cool parts, cool things that are happening and sad things that are happening. Uh, the sad things happening is, is that the group of eight is kind of having, I don't know how temporary or how permanent, but we're having a shift in our membership as it were. Uh, one of our guys, he's having a lot of, he's going through a really rough patch and I don't want to drag all that up on onto the internet, but it, it means that he's not going to be able to guarantee that he can play. And so rather than just say, oh, I might, or I might not or whatever. And you know, cause he doesn't know what's going on. So we've decided that. We're going to temporarily, hopefully temporarily, kind of write him out of the story. But it means that we're without our, to use gaming terminology, our tank. We're without our defender. It's time and, to roll an alt. And so, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, so our, our group has always been really free-flowing. If a guy doesn't like his character, we let him roll something else. And we're not, we're not the kind of jerks who say, no, no, you made this character. You got to stick with him. But I had this, the crazy thing was, is I had just gotten done saying how much I love my character. For those of you who didn't list, didn't, uh, tune into our Dungeons and Dragons episode, which you should go back and listen to it because it's awesome. I, I, I'm in a bunch of games, but the one I play with, with my guys that we call ourselves the group of eight, I play a Dragonborn Avenger named Amrath Chill Talon. He's outstanding. However, Amrath is having to step aside. And rather than just, say, all right, I'm going to play this new character. I couldn't let it go with that. My geeky, my geekiness overpowered my desire for just simply, all right, give me a new character. I created epic storyline. <laughs> I, I created for Amrath an entire order, a religious order of, of dragonborn, which are basically like dragon people, a religious order whose sole purpose is to go about Defending those who can't defend themselves, especially other dragonborn. So Amrath is a member of this organization. So I came up with this epic story about how he had to get called back to the main temple and they were going to send his replacement because they were still interested in what the, the guys that I was playing with uh, were doing, what they were up to and their adventures. So they didn't want to just leave them. They wanted to keep tabs on them. So they're sending this other guy, and he's he's going to be interesting because he's going to share the same philosophy as my old guy, but a completely different spin on it, because he's going to be a paladin. And so his main goal is to protect others, whereas my first guy was to decapitate the wicked. 
<laughs> so it's a little bit different, and it's going to be exciting, and he gets unveiled tomorrow. I'm super excited about it. The good news is, Decapitating the Wicked is a very effective defense maneuver. So, I, you, you I get a little say, bit of both. You're not lying, because the last session we had, just this last weekend, we beat the bad guy. But he had a bunch of his little guardsmen keeping keeping watch over the guy we were supposed to save. So my buddies and I came up with the idea of, well, what if we just scare them? So we they sent me with the bad guy's head. So imagine if you will, let me set the scene, this six foot five pure white dragon walks into a dungeon holding the head of your boss and says, you have five seconds to run. <laughs> yes, that is how awesome that was. That is that is I'm, that's why I'm excited to come up with the new guy. I it it's it's always like I said when we when we did the first episode. I'm all I'm all about the stories. I'm all about creating characters and coming up with how they fit in the world. And I don't like just dropping guys in out of the vacuum. My guys have to have a place, and so yeah, I'm super excited. Luke, what have you been up to lately? Let me get off of fictional worlds of fun and enjoyment. Well, <laughs> I think I'm going to get right back on to fictional worlds of fun and enjoyment. That's I mean, fine. I, I think that's that, that is right. That's I will, appropriate. I Though, will celebrate that. The mind are, are more of a digital form at the moment. I have been pounding through the last of my old games that I've wanted to play. And so I've played during this, this weird little interim until there are new games, big games that I'm interested in being released. So I played through Darksiders, nice. and now I am in Dungeon Siege 3. Ooh, which tell frankly, me about that. Not a great game, but you get to run around with a chick with some guns and shoot things. And that's that, cool. That so, sounded about right to me. That's what I was looking for in that game. I, you know, I didn't expect a lot of big things from it. Yeah, it like my biggest issue is the play control. It it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think you're aiming at the one guy and it ends up shooting off to the right and it drives me crazy. I don't care if the game doesn't have the greatest story in the world, though I mean I love story, but I, I, it had, the dude's got to go where I point him to go. <laughs> this is important. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing some video games. My kids are back in school now too, so I'm actually doing a little bit of Work again, so that's nice. And then uh, next week, I'm doing some food geekery. I'm off Ooh. to a uh, competition-style barbecue course. Uh, I'm already a pretty good barbecue cook, so wait, I thought now, I wait, wait, competition? It, it's a it's a class, not not an actual competition. Oh, okay. Uh, I figured I'd do the class first and uh, get get all of the little secrets and tips and whatnot that you need. When you're not just putting it on somebody's plate, when you're putting it in front of a judge. So that should be fun, I hope. Um, and uh, yeah, so food geekery, video game geekery, that pretty much encompasses who I am. That is outstanding. I, I will say that one thing that I've been able to do, uh, above and beyond what I was already talking about, I, I recently picked up a book that has... It, it, you know how this goes, especially because you do Guys Can Read, so your book, your bookshelf is always filled with like eight or nine books at least that you need to read. It is profoundly annoying. So I, I I picked up this book from two lovely authors, the two amazingly cool people, and I will shout their names to the rooftops, T. Morris and Pip Ballantyne. These, these folks are right. awesome. 
They are just spectacular people. And I finally, their book has been sitting there on my shelf since the Steampunk World's Fair. So since, what was that, May? It's been sitting on my shelf and I've finally been able to get to it. I'm I'm about 100 pages in and I'm so psyched. I love their characters. Uh, their storytelling is just amazing. It's fun, but and a little bit of silly, but not just not like madcap silly, but just enough because it's it it it's a bunch of you know just awesome wrapped up in a in a great story. Is these super cool characters? Good juxtaposition of just fiery war maiden and bookish geek, and 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 they solve mysteries. It's it's fantastic. What's uh, it's called? called it's called Phoenix Rising, and you need to check it out. I will, yes, do that. They are amazing. Very cool. Very cool. Speaking of books that you need to check out, I don't think that we can skip the fact that somebody you and I know pretty well, Mike. Kevin's book comes out! It is out as of the time that people listen to this That's episode. Right. By the time I, I finally I've, get this thing edited, I've Nicholas and Company, my, my co-host on Guys Can Read, Kevin McGill, Will be out available on Amazon. You can get the first part now, but the whole thing, the whole shebang. Finally, we've been walking alongside of Kevin for for two ish years now. Kevin uh, went to seminary with both uh, Mike and I, and uh, his first book, it's a a fantasy adventure, is out. So go check that out on Amazon. It's called Nicholas and Company, spelled uh, N I K O L A S and Co. Dot com or you can look it up on Amazon. Yeah, we we love we love this book and we love Kevin and we want all of you to go out and buy his book to support the fact that he's writing because we want him to write more. Uh it it's a lot of fun. You can I've I've read a lot of it and what I haven't read, I have been blessed because Kevin has me on an email that anytime his his uh illustrator cranks out a new picture of what one of his characters looks like. He's sent it to me. And that guy's a genius. What's his name? Carlisle? Carlisle, yeah. Absolute genius. So buy the book. Check it out. He says that he says that he wants to go on tour and like hit major cities and sign books and I don't care what store he hits by you. If you if you see Kevin McGill or Nicholas and Company on a sign at your local bookstore, you need to plan to be there. Absolutely, absolutely. He he's he's put his heart and soul into this thing, and uh, I'm excited. And you can tell. Oh yeah, you can. He, he's passionate about it, and uh, I I have read a good good chunks of it. Um, I don't think anybody except for maybe his wife has finally see, seen the final version, but uh, it's gonna be worth your while. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, Mike. So we'll we'll uh, make the transition here. Get into the the. Uh, Heart of the show. So, Mike, I have a question oh, for you. Oh, look at the heart of the show. <laughs> I, I got a question for you, Mike. Yes, sir. Are you an onerous, obnoxious person that no one would like to spend any time with whatsoever? I'd like to think I'm not. But you're a geek. I, I am a geek. Aren't all geeks that way? No. Oh. Hey. See, <laughs> I read this article. That you pointed me to that says I pointed that, you to that it. some people at least feel that way. So tell us about that article, Mike. Okay, this is an article. I I, I can't say that I've found the original source. It's the kind of thing that has hopped around the internet like a dozen different times. Yeah, it's the internet. There's no such thing as original sources anymore. Right. Uh what it was I found it on Gizmodo. 
which is a wonderful site for all things geeky, you know, resource. And I was going through, and all of a sudden I saw this, all I saw was the title. The title is My Brief OK Cupid Affair with a World Champion Magic the Gathering player. And I said, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, it's on Gizmodo, so maybe it's, oh, it's got, this woman is reflecting on, on meeting this guy and talking with him and finding out about how passionate he is and just how interesting. No, no, that's not how this article goes at all. This is, this is a blast of internet vitriol. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, this woman goes on for, for quite a while, actually, and just talking about how horrible it is that this man is a, cause he's, he's not just a guy in a basement. He's not just, you know, oh, I play here and there. This guy is a world champion. I want to stress that again, a world champion. And this woman has written him off completely the moment that she finds out that he's a world champion Magic the Gathering player. All right. All right. So as we get into this, I I think I want to look at it from a couple of angles. One, is she normal? Is that the perception of geeks? In other words, does the general populace look at us geeks and immediately decide I wouldn't want to be friends with you. Part two. If they do so, is there anything legitimate about that? Okay, go. <laughs> You're going to turn me loose on this. We're going to have a two-hour podcast on this one, I think, if we were really just to let, a, let us go. Um, I don't want to completely just go into nerd rage. My gut reaction, my immediate reaction upon reading this article is to go full on nerd rage. To, to scream to the, to the four winds for my brother geek and just say, you stupid woman, you have no idea what you're talking about. You didn't even give him a chance and, and just get really mad. However, I don't, I don't want to deny the fact that there, there's a reason that people get the stereotype that they have. There's a reason why people associate groups of people with certain stereotypes. There's always that little grain of truth for the mountain of bad impression. There's that little bit of truth. And I'm sorry, Luke, I'm pretty confident that if both of us uh, and everybody who's listening were to really think about it, we all have stories about that guy or that girl who give geeks a bad name. Yeah, we do. If you've ever been to a convention, if you've ever spent more than the fastest amount of time you can possibly spend at your friendly local game store, you're going to find it. Yeah. And so, you know, I read this and I was just like you, man. Immediately, I'm like, this girl's an idiot. And just the way she she treats her life is stupid. But then I stopped and I kind of thought about it and said, well, wait a minute, maybe... None of us should live on stereotypes, but the fact of the matter is we all do. We've all had experiences, and we always immediately apply those experiences to the people we know, right or wrong. And can I tell you something, Mike, that I kind of don't want to admit? Go for it. This is a safe place, Luke. Admit it. I look around the game store before I walk in. (laughs) 
I laugh because it's true. <laughs> you know, I look around and if I see anyone, no, not anyone, but if I see a preponderance of people who don't look as if they have the capacity to, I don't know, be able to like sit at a restaurant with a tablecloth, <laughs> I I just run in by my thing and leave. However, that doesn't happen very often. Right. I I have my own stories like that. I there's a multitude of stories that I could pull from for this, but I think one of the more entertaining ones to recount, uh, when I was working at one of our local bookstores, a friend of mine uh, named Katie, who is a a, a tremendous woman, an amazing artist, just an all-around cool girl, she is also a geek. I don't know if she'd use the term for herself, but she's a geek. She goes with me to the Steampunk World's Fair. She geeks out about video games. She's a geek. Well, she decided that she wanted to go across the street to our mall where there was a GameStop and check out the new games. And my buddy and I looked at her and says, yeah, don't do that. And of course, she got all up in our cases saying, no, no, what is it? Because I'm a girl, whatever, you know. And we're like, no, no, that's not it. You don't understand. You're a good looking woman who knows what she's talking about when it comes to video games. That's like throwing a steak into a lion's den when the lions haven't eaten in a week. That's it's bad. And so she she goes, no, no, forget it. I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to go and check out the games. She comes back about 15, 20 minutes later with this look of terror on her face. (laughs) And so we kind of all go to the back room and we're like, what happened? And she goes, I heard one of them. As I was walking through the aisle, I heard one of them say to his buddy, gosh, I wish I could see her in a Slave Leia outfit. Nice. And I felt bad, but I just died. I died laughing. And she's, she's like smacking me and, and saying, you know, how bad it is that I'm laughing. But I couldn't help it. And I, I did bust out the old chestnut because I looked at her and said, we told you so. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's the kind of thing that gives all geeks a bad name. That's the sort of thing that people think about when they think about geeks. But that's not what we're all about. Granted, there's always going to be that the opposite of the diamond in the rough. The rough amidst the diamonds. <laughs> the the piece of coal within the diamonds. It's Well, let's acknowledge the fact that, in fact, geekdom did start amongst the outcasts. Oh, and it, it always has and always will have a, a primary following amongst people who don't fit in. You know, it, geek culture is a culture that's on the edge of empire. It's, it's the people who don't fit form the heart of geek culture. And, and I would even put myself in that category. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I hate the idea of being normal. That freaks <laughs> me out. No. Okay, it, you bring that up. I... My one of my earliest youth groups that I worked with, the kids I I got the kids pretty much trained that anytime they said the word normal, I would do a like a physical tick. I would I would I just like every time the kids said the word normal. Anytime you say normal, I will shoot you with the Nerf gun. <laughs> if I had a Nerf gun, I totally would have done that. But yeah, and, and I would always respond to them saying normal is a very subjective term. For me, normal implies a non-reflective life. Normal implies the life that you are given and you don't, you just take it. 
Now, without any kind of deciding whether that is the life for you or not, it's just the default. The thing that everybody gets because we're here. And that's no fun. And so being a geek, being a member of any subculture, really, it's about saying, yeah, there is this thing that separates us, that makes us special. Unfortunately, sometimes it makes us special. <laughs> and, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that, that those of us who are walking around in our churches saying, yeah, hey, we go play D&D, or yeah, hey, man, have you played through Dragon Age, or have you played through Dungeon Siege 3? Most people are going to look at us and go, you're weird, and I don't want to be your friend. And that's a problem. Yeah. Well, my my big thing about it is the fact that it's it's robbing people of the fact that they're passionate about something. To say I don't like you or I don't want to hang out with you because you're you're very passionate about this thing that, that that I consider to be weird or different is silly because when you really think about it, everything in life makes somebody geek out. There is someone out there that geeks out about some other thing. Uh a, a big example. I love football. I'm very excited that at the time of our recording, we're only days away from football. Oh, did you see the game last night? I did not, sadly. Oh my goodness. I, I game, heard... It was incredible. The I best first the game epic. of any season I've ever seen. And see, right here, right here, let me tell you about the fact that that, that is a moment of geekness. Absolutely, I'm a football geek. That is a I moment of football. geek right there. Dude, I pay for Sunday ticket. Yes. It's the one thing a year that my wife's just like, you know what? I love you a lot more when you have Sunday tickets, so just pay for the thing, <laughs> you know? I don't like you when you don't have your football. Yeah, well, hey, no. I, I live in I live in North Central California. You know what that means? Yes. That means I have to watch the 49ers and the Raiders. That's unacceptable. Yeah. For goodness well, sake. You... For goodness sake. You get the Patriots. You get to uh... watch your, you get the Patriots on your local channel. I get the 49ers. Do you know what that's like? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, we're showing that, that you can geek out on sports. Luke is giving me a picture-perfect example. But And see, even this, even on this level, like I'm super into it. I love my Jets. Minute, I'm jets. very excited. Ah, there you go. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, that's, my bad. Why, that's why I cringe when you said the Patriots. I go, I don't want to watch the Patriots. But anyway, as, as much as I love You football, got Brett for a little while. Yeah, he's overrated. Oh, kill you. <laughs> <laughs> when uh when I talk about football, I'm very passionate about it. However, I sit down with my brothers. And as much as I know about football, my brothers make me look like an idiot. My brothers are the kind of guys who sit down and can tell you who won the Heisman Trophy in 1975. Right. Not off me. the top off the top of their head. Nope. And I also can't tell you what engines in a 1967 Ford Rigamarole. Right. No idea. And so... Ford probably never made a rigorous roll. I'm just... But they might have. I don't know. <laughs> I want to own a rigamarole. I think we need to design a car that's just called Purple the rigamarole. rigamarole. <laughs> what other color could it be? Uh, but, monkey puke green. <laughs> but what the, the big thing I want to get is the fact that just because somebody gets passionate about something doesn't make them better or worse. It means that's what they're passionate about. Before we got started on everything today, we we were discussing the fact that if you're a Christian, 
if if you are really passionate about following after God, if you're excited about what it means to follow God, you're a geek. It's built into you because you can't passively love God. Not really, because you're denying a whole bit of who God is if you're like, oh, that's that's lovely. That Jesus fellow, he's he's rather nice. Well, and I think that anybody who takes their faith seriously has had experiences like John Finkel, the world champion magic player, had. People who oh, I know, are I having conversations with you, you meet them, it seems like a nice person, they, you're building a relationship, they find out that you're a Christian, and boom, relationship over. Oh, and, and Luke, I'm sure you had you had the similar experience than I did, because we can go above and beyond that, and people, you know, figure out, because you mentioned that you go to church, and that you work with a youth group, and then people find out that you're a minister. Yep. That you're, that you're a preacher. That you work in Here's a how the conversation goes, folks. <laughs> you're having a lovely talk. You're, you know, talking about football, maybe. Or you're talking about the amazing game from yesterday. Or you're talking about uh, the movie that you're going to go see this weekend. Or you're talking about what, uh, you know, your kids do. And you're going along, going along, going along. Then you get to the, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I sell dizzle dorks to people at the mall. Oh, really? What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Immediately, every single time, the next sentence is, oh, I'm really sorry I said that thing a few minutes ago. <laughs> I don't care what I, you said, dude. That doesn't bother me. If it bothered me, I would have said something when you said it. Or I would just wouldn't have continued the conversation. Right. You know, if you said, hey, let's go kill babies, I probably would have been like, dude, I don't think I'm going to be friends with you. <laughs> but your occasional foul words doesn't bother me. And yet, at the same time, we are immediately, because we are pastors or because we are Christians, whatever, we are immediately defined, fully defined in the eyes of the person that we're having a conversation with. In the same way that as soon as somebody finds out we're a geek, we're immediately defined in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you, believers, don't do that. Don't take a person and immediately assume that you know who they are. Because sometimes the thief hanging on the cross is going to get to heaven before you. And, you know, we can't allow, as Christian geeks, this stereotyping and this stigma to be acceptable behavior. And, you know, we maybe can't change that in everybody's life, but we can change it in ours. We can decide that we're not going to come into a conversation with somebody new. And maybe they have radically different viewpoints than we do. And pigeonhole that person. Because we've had it done to us. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of my existence uh, feeling completely and totally outcast. And just dealing with the fact that I've always been a geek. And then there was the, the part of my existence where I was just plain awkward and didn't know how to handle people. And really shy. And just really didn't know who I was or where I was at or where I was going. And then I found being a geek. And I, when I was with my fellow geeks, I felt home. This was long before I found out about God. This was before I found out about God. I found my home with geeks because we could be stupid together. We could come up with weird, wonderful, just outstanding things. And, and, Rather than being looked down on, rather than being 
picked on or isolated or everything that happens in high school and junior high, we were heroes. We were mighty warriors standing up against evil. We were, we were it, man. And forever, however long we were in it, that was, that was the best times of our existence because we were together and we found a place that, that people knew us and cared about us and felt the same way we did. How much more should that be a place that people can find in the church? How much more as people who love God, a God who has, who is just passionate about being with us so much in fact that, that he came to dwell with us. How much more should we kind of just exude this environment that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, that we're with you on this, that rather than isolating and separating, we bring together and say, oh, that's really cool. Why, you know, where does that come from? What are you up to? Why are you passionate about this? Perhaps one of the reasons that I love the church I'm at right now is because I had, I had a lot of good, bad, and indifferent uh, past experiences with churches for a lot of stuff, a long story that's complicated, but we, I left on good terms, but it's still complicated that I don't want to bring it up. I left the church that I was at. It just, it was really just God telling me it was time for me to go, that their ministry and my ministry were going in different directions. So I church hopped like every person does when they're trying to find a new place to worship. And I eventually came to this church and I met with the pastor. And the very first thing uh, he asked me was, if you could do anything right now for God, what would it be? And we, we talked about that for a little bit. And what I discovered was, is that that's what he does. When he meets people who say, I want to help, he asks them, what do you want to do? He doesn't say, we have this, or we have that, or we got this thing over here. He asks people what they want to do. If we have something like that, he points them in that direction. If we don't, he then asks them, how can we make it happen? I've watched ministries being born out of that conversation because a man looks at another person and says, I want to help you do what you're passionate about for the kingdom. And when I read stories like this that say, oh, you're a geek, I, I don't want anything to do with you, because this guy isn't that example we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. He's not that really just painful person to be around, because let's admit, if we're honest with ourselves, they're out there. This guy doesn't seem to be that guy. In fact, even in this, this woman's own recounting of, of this date, he just casually brought up because she's like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I have this tournament coming up. And she, and she's figured, she asks what the tournament is. And she, he goes, oh, it's Magic the Gathering. And he goes, actually, I'm the world champion. That's in quotes in this woman's blog. Actually, I'm the world champion. He's not like wearing a big WrestleMania wrestling belt style Magic the Gathering champion card, you know, belt. He's just being a guy who happens to really enjoy a game and is really, really stinking good at it. And I don't like the fact that this woman is just writing him off right off the beginning, but I know that the church needs to step away from that. The church needs to be the antithesis of this. The church needs to be the type of people who ask, what are you passionate about and how can we make sure that we can use that for the glory of God? I think it's a beautiful thing to recognize first off 
the things that we are passionate about, assuming they're not part of the very short list of things that are really antagonistic to God, those things, God gave us those things. And if you're passionate about something, I don't know, what are you passionate about, man? Maybe somebody's passionate about knitting. Maybe somebody's passionate about cooking. Maybe somebody's passionate about cars. Maybe somebody's passionate about business. Whatever you're passionate about, that's not a neutral thing. It's a God thing. And maybe it's not as easy in some cases to find the connections to God, but they're there. And if you allow God into that aspect of your life, if you allow God into the geekiness in your life, you will find that even your geekiness you can use to serve him. I've got a good example of that. And there are guys who I've been able to talk with them. I follow, I talk with them on Twitter and everything. They've gotten super busy and really popular, and I'm very excited about that. I have not been able to post on their website like I, like I used to, and that saddens me. But there's a, a, a group of guys who... I, the ministry was pretty much birthed from what I've gathered from talking to them. It was birthed out of a game shop, pretty much. And that store is still there. It, it, it's all sorts of video games craziness. And it's Game Church. That's what they call themselves. And they go around from convention to convention talking about the gospel, talking hardcore about video games, what's out there, what's going on, you know, who's making what, and talking about all this all this amazing insider stuff. And in the same breath, they'll tell you how much how much Jesus loves you. They are putting themselves into the heart of Geek Nation and saying, We're with you. Now let me tell you about Christ, because it can take everything you're feeling here and have an eternal impact. And they do stuff like they want to get a, a translation, a, a, a Bible translation for gamers. And while there's part of me that says, all right, we don't need another translation out there. The other part of me says, gamers speak with a completely different language. And who better to translate the truth of scripture into that language than other gamers? And it's not like they're changing the text. They're adding in, like it to, to to use a geek term, they're adding in bonus content for the scriptures to kind of make it clear in video game terms. Now, Luke, I don't know about you, but I've used video games as illustrations. In fact, one of my favorite illustrations that I think made the most impact on this group of kids that I was talking to involved Halo. I, I, I talked about the fact that I'm not good at it. In fact, I'm kind of awful. And I get I get killed a lot. And so I find myself getting yelled at by a bunch of 12-year-old boys on a regular basis when I do decide to play Halo. But my brother was really good. He's not as good as he used to be because he's kind of gotten out of practice. But when he was really playing, he was unstoppable. In fact, he actually got a reputation in his college that people were looking for him. People who didn't know him knew who he was because of his Halo play. And so I asked him, what are you doing that I'm not? And he said, he, he looked at me and he said, let me guess. You go off on your own and you go looking for people. And I said, well, yeah, that's the goal of the game. He's like, that's how you die. And I go, oh, okay, it can't be that simple. He goes, have you ever noticed that it's rarely just you and one other person? And then I thought about it. And I said, no, actually, it's me. And I usually get shot at by about three or four guys. He goes, exactly. Because guys travel in packs. 
and they look for guys who go off on their own, and then they pounce, and that's how they win. And I use that illustration just to talk about the fact that so many times we think of fellowship as something that's neat, or fellowship is a, a fun way to spend an evening, when fellowship is a mandate. Fellowship is something we're called to in order to do the Christian life. So I actually came up with a, a thing that I, the, the tagline, the, the, the thing that I had people go home with was you, you work together or you die alone. Live together, die alone, baby. Yeah. And kids, kids came up to me afterwards. Gamer kids, guys who I, I've talked to about games. A lot of the, these guys I've connected with and our relationship found its found purchase in video games. These guys are coming up to me saying, that's perfect. That makes that's so clear to me because I've been in that situation. We talked about Halo. We talked about Call of Duty. We talked about every first person shooter that ever came out ever and how if you go off on your own, you die. But if you travel with a, with a couple of your buddies, you travel together and you have a plan, you'll beat everybody that comes up in front of you. That's that's using our our passion. That's using what we get excited about to talk to people about God, to have, to, to help people come to an understanding about who God is and how he works using a video game. And I don't know about you, Luke, but that, that is awesome to me. That is speaking to people where they are, not where we want them to be. Well, I think it's so natural too, because my guess is you see God through your video game. Oh, absolutely. You know, in the same way that I, I might see God through a meal I'm preparing, or I might see God through a book that I'm reading. And and this is not to say that, that God is, the video game was designed to point to God, no. But when you're passionate about something, and you're passionate about a couple of things, you bring them together. And so it's really easy to share how, for you, those experiences are one and the same. And, you know, what I, one thing I always say is that I don't care what a person's into. If you're the kind of person who is passionate about something, I really want to be your friend. Mm. Doesn't matter if I have no interest in what you're passionate in whatsoever, the fact that you you can love that thing makes me want to know you. And if we could express both our geekiness and our faith in that way, I think we're doing a good thing. Mike, let me let me twist the conversation ever so slightly. Go for it. So I'm what? I don't know, thirteen, somewhere in there. Raised by a family that uh, made sure I did good in school, but they also made sure that I played football, baseball, basketball, and basketball. Okay? Free sport kid. And, you know, was very much the raised to be the all-American boy. So I'm 13 or so, and I start bringing home these fantasy books. <laughs> I and see then I start bringing going. home tiny little toy dolls that I shoot people with. And, you know, I could... My parents, I actually remember them pulling me aside more than once to have the kind of conversation. Please don't become one of them. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, at the time, I was one of them, or I was becoming one of them. Because for whatever reason, even though I, I was always, I was never popular, but I was never not popular. You know, I always had friends and all that kind of thing. I just loved that world. I loved the the imagination of the thing. But as I hung around with other 13 through 20-year-olds that were the prototypical geek, I started to become that geek. And there were a few years of my life where, frankly, I was weird. 
<laughs> and not in a good way. I, I like being weird in some ways, but I was awkward and I was uh, really kind of socially inept. And maybe some of that is just natural. You know, maybe you just go through that period at some point in your life. But, Mike, what have you done? What what can we do? And I don't want to be like, you know, the, the mismanners of the geek world. But what are some of the things that you do to keep your life in balance? Uh, oddly enough, this is not the first time I've had this conversation. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is about me, but people keep asking me because I, I, I've prided, I, I too went through my painfully awkward geeky phase. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to talk to people. And part of it, I agree with you. Part of it is exactly what you said. It's, it's about maturity. It's about growing up. It's about just, yeah, it's becoming more of, of an adult in the, in the full round sense of the word. But part of it is also just simple understanding of the fact that not everybody's like you. There's a difference between looking down on somebody because they're different and acknowledging the differences. And I think that's where a lot of the awkward, quirky geeks fall short, is that they deny the fact that people are different, that people's passions are about different things. And the truly awkward geek, yeah, the whole idea of knowledge puffing up, yeah, the awkward geek em- embraces that and lives that. Not in the good sense, the it's bad to do that, stay away. But in the, yes, it does, and I'm right, and I have the knowledge, and all you people stink. Well, you know, I, I liken it to the evangelist on a bus. <laughs> oh, go on. I'm dying to hear how this works out. You can be an evangelist on a bus, and you may really believe that you are serving Jesus being an evangelist on a bus. You may even lead people to Christ being an evangelist on a bus. However, you're still a jerk. <laughs> And nobody wants to listen to you. And in the same way that, you know, how many times do we see geeks take their geekiness to a party or to mm-hmm. dinner or to wherever? Yeah, there are moments where you can be that geek. But just like there are moments where it's probably not appropriate to talk about football in church, it's probably also not all that appropriate to talk about playing Magic the Gathering when you're with your in-laws. These are pretty <laughs> unless simple. Your in-laws, unless your in-laws are into that. Right. So the other day, I'm at uh, a bit of a party, and uh, one of the people there was a uber geek, just rattling on about all kinds of things. And you could see the poor host of the party was like, I have to talk to this guy because nobody else is going to, and I don't really want him to have to talk, any of my other guests to have to talk to him. So, Super Luke comes in. I actually know what the dude's talking about, so I can sweep in and have a conversation with the guy. But it's that kind of thing. Failing to see that we have boundaries. And I think part of that is to recognize something that, that is really hard for some time, for us as geeks to sometimes recognize. And that is, no matter how passionate you are about a thing, if you only like one thing, something's wrong with your life. Mm. If you're so passionate about anything, even if you're so passionate about your faith, that that's the only thing you know how to engage with, Something's wrong with your life. You're not living the life that God has called you. Right. We are made for relationships. We are made to explore. We are made to learn and discover new things. Get out there. Meet people. Do some new stuff. Let somebody else talk for a few minutes at least. This is hard for podcast hosts to to, uh, to admit. <laughs> but 
you do those things, it'd be so much more gracious. And hopefully, maybe in time, I think it's coming. I think it's happening already. That geek stigma will start to fade away. Oh, yeah. I, I think that it's definitely on its way out. And I think a lot of it is focused on the fact that people have that much broader definition of the term geek than it used to. And people are, are starting to acknowledge the fact that it's just about passion. It's just passion in certain areas of existence. But I, I will always think that the, the biggest thing is to realize and to get to know who you're talking to, to engage with people, like you said, to engage with people on a level that they can come with you, not try to tug and pull and force them into the geeky world you live in. The best example I have of this, and I've, I've mentioned it in other podcasts, but I really want to drive this point home just because uh, she floors me with this. And really, I can kind of expand it. I mentioned the group of eight. Most of us have girlfriends or wives have significant others. And almost entirely, this is how this goes down. They understand that this is part of our life. They understand that and they allow us to do this. They don't necessarily need to come with us. They're intrigued. My girlfriend asked me today, she's like, oh, you're playing with the guys? And I said, yeah, and I've got this new character. And she asked me, she's like, she, she gave me that look like, oh, yeah? That, that, that look of, oh, really? Tell me about it. And so I did. I told her about his story. I told her about this interesting little things. But at some point, I cut it off because I realized, you know what? I've spoken enough about this. This is, uh, she has reached her limit. She has, she has acknowledged the fact that this is something that's important to me. And I, I love her for that. I love the fact that she can look at me and she can see that I'm going to go off and s literally sit in a basement with my buddies and play Dungeons and Dragons for seven hours on a Saturday. And she's okay with that. She doesn't necessarily need to be there. She doesn't need to play with me, but she's so okay with me being there. And likewise, I then, I share with her that, yeah, because this is a part of what I do. This is a part of my existence. Playing with these guys, playing these characters, it's part of my life. I enjoy it. I'm very passionate about the stories that I make because of this game. But I understand that she doesn't come there with me. So I share with her enough that I can show her that I'm passionate about it. But then we talk about other stuff that she's interested in. Because that's what relationships, not just romantic relationships, but relationships in general, that's what it's about. It's give and take. It's share your passion and then share the passion of the other person. It's speak what you're interested in and then celebrate what the other person's interested in because that's how relationships are formed. So I think I can sum up this episode, Mike. I think I have figured out how to do it. All right. So if the pretty girl comes into your life and you mutter under your breath, I'd really love to see her in a Slave Leia costume. <laughs> there is very little chance that you will. <laughs> However. If said pretty girl comes into your life and you are willing to set aside your passion and have a reasonable conversation, talk to her what she's about what she's interested in. Maybe, someday, she just might put that Slave Leia outfit on for you. And, and you're not completely wrong in this, let me tell you. you know, we, we talk with a joke about that, and it's funny because if anything, we're I'd love to see the fact that we get comments about the fact that we're talking about Slave Leia costumes. Happy Christian iPodding. <laughs> But what what I really want to talk there about is There's nothing wrong with your wife putting on a Slave Leia costume for you. I know you're not married yet, but... I will I will celebrate that, yes. Um, but here's, here's what it comes down to. If you're... Just like... This is the big thing for me. I, I'm not big on the hard sell evangelism. I, I know lots of people who are. 
I'm not. That's not how I roll. I'm nope. more into the, I'm going to share my life with you. And I'm going to show you how much God has impacted my existence. And I'm going to tell you about how much God has impacted my existence. And then I'll sh- after that, I will share with you how much he can impact yours. I view that as how I share Christ with you. I show them as I'm telling them what God has done, what God continues to do, and what God will always do through eternity. The same way, you don't hard sell geekdom either. It, it, granted, you can go and say, you know, go to, go to Comic-Con. And people are like, all right, sure, whatever. I'm bored. That might happen. And some people are really good at it. Some people can go in and, and do the hard sell and people get sold on it left, right, and sideways. But I think for, for most of us, it's sharing our geekness is very similar to sharing our faith in that if we shout at people demanding them to come to our side or leave, they'll, they'll leave. leave. However, if we bring them in with us, show them why we care about this. The the perfect example, in light of the the whole Doctor Who episode, I I have to bring up I was watching Doctor Who with my girlfriend. She had never seen Doctor Who before we started going out. She hadn't even heard of Doctor Who before we started going out. I mentioned it to her sister, who is sixteen. Her sister then marathoned like eight uh, doc- episodes of Doctor Who. Her sister recorded them, and then so my girlfriend and I were sitting there, and she goes, "Oh." Esther's got Doctor Who on on uh, the DVR. You want to watch some? Uh, absolutely. We started watching it. Now, I was I was working. I was writing. On my, I had my little my laptop out, and I was just writing away. And Doctor Who was on in the background. I look up, and my girlfriend is on the edge of her seat, leaning forward, figuring out what's happening. And I just look at her, and I go, "Hey, Suze." And as soon as I talk, she's like shaking out of the moment. She goes, <laughs> so, what? And I, I, I just, I laughed because I said, you really got into that, weren't you? And she goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, this is awesome. This is great. The same thing happened when I introduced her to Firefly. We watched Firefly and then she marathoned it. She watched the entire series in the span of a couple days because she loved it. She named her car Serenity. I always joke with her. I said, your geek potential was always high. I am just fostering it. Everyone's <laughs> is, my friend. Everyone is. We we need to do an episode on geek love. We really do. Oh, absolutely. The geek relationships. Because it is possible, friends. It is possible. And and again, I, I think that if I told her at any point, even now, like not even, let's not even talk about early in the race. Even now, if I tried to force her, because I, I took her to the Steampunk World's Fair. I invited her and she came and she hated it. Next year when I go, she will not be coming with me. <laughs> and that's fine. If I told her, this is a part of my life and you need to get on this, she would hate that. She would hate it. But all I'm doing is sharing with her, this is my passion. And because she loves me, she's willing to sit with me and say, okay, let me experience what you're passionate about. And through that process, not all the time, but some of the time, she finds out that she can get pretty passionate about it, too. I've seen her. She's turned into a regular little brown coat, even though she doesn't know what it means to be a brown coat. Because she'll, like, she'll see actors in other stuff that were in Firefly. And it's like, oh, there was one time she just pointed at the screen, stood up and said, that was Zoe. And, you know, she never heard of the show before we started, before we started dating. 
I shared that with her and she found that she really enjoyed it. And I think if we take that with our geekness, if we take that with our faith, I think we'll be pretty amazed at what people are willing to to see and how it might affect them, how it might just bring about a passion in their life too. It's about being gracious. It's about inviting, about sharing, it's about having conversations and allowing the stuff that you love to influence others' lives and not feeling the need to make it happen. And, you know, I think all of us want sometimes, especially with people we care about, to make them be like us. And it just never works. No, you can't, you can't demand it of people. Because, like I said, if you draw the line in the sand saying, cross this line or leave, nine times out of ten, they'll leave. And probably point five times, they'll come, but they won't like it. And you'll end up worse for wear, even though they've come to your side, as it were. Because they're feeling they're feeling it out of obligation, not out of their own passion. All right, Mike. This was a strange episode. We we had to touch on the dark side of geekiness a little bit. But that's okay. Sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. Well, I I think we I recognize think we that it's to, important to bathe. I, <laughs> I think we need to uh, because at some point, you know, it, when you celebrate something, you can't you can't celebrate it without denying the the bad stuff. You can't celebrate the good without den- with with denying the bad. The bad is part of it and you have to acknowledge it, you have to work with it and you have to I don't know, you have a fuller appreciation of what's going on if you see it from all angles, not just the prettied up, you know, nice version that that we want to con- concoct for ourselves. To really appreciate something, you got to see it from every angle. And sometimes that means yeah, the guys that we don't want to talk about who, yeah, who give all of us a bad name. <laughs> well, folks, hopefully, Mike and I, we give geeks a good name. And Mike, how can folks find out more about you? Uh, my, my internet presence is actually kind of diminishing. Uh, it's diminishing in some ways and getting more robust in others. Uh, so in a way, I can't share everything because stuff is, is kind of changing and adding. Uh, the best ways to find me, uh, my, my big hub website is tinkerstory.com. It's where I have all my little stories and I have contact information and I have all sorts of different links to other stuff that I do. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, I have two Twitter accounts primarily. I have mine, which is just my reactions to everyday life and godliness, uh, shadow of Cyrano. And you have the one that I, I pretty much tweet as one of the characters from my story, uh, a robotic man named Hodgepodge von Klockwerk, and that is uh, at, on Twitter. It is von Klockwerk. Luke, what about you? Uh, you can find me at 52weeksofgeek.com. It is my blog. It is my place on the interwebs. I, that's kind of the only place I am at the moment. I, I've sort of uh, given up on the Twitter, and uh, I am on Google+, though nobody else is. I so, am. Yeah, you are, and I'm your friend on Google Plus or whatever and, it is that they call it and, on Google Plus. And you also, you also have guys can read. I do also have guys can read. That's true. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, you can go to guyscanread.com. Uh, we review a book a week, and uh, then we have what we call the after show, which was uh, where we get uh, into the deeper issues behind the book and sometimes we get a little wacko and weird as well 
Uh, to find out more about this show, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com or you can go to Facebook.com slash, yes, we have the slash now, people, <laughs> Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. When Hang last I checked, we had about 32 fans. We need that number to keep going because we need, you know, just, we want to celebrate awesomeness with That we do. That we do. Uh, so, folks, just to uh, remind you, whether you are the happy geek or whether you are the, the dark, scary geek, that doesn't matter. Remember that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game always plays on.